Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. After a scathing review published earlier this month by the Reagan Udall Foundation criticized FDA for its scattered and inefficient approach to food safety and applied nutrition, the agency says that it's committed to, quote, building a world-class human foods program that can more quickly adapt to an ever-changing and evolving environment. FDA Commissioner of Food and Drugs Robert Califf was quick to admit that the agency's food program in recent years has, quote, been stressed by increasing diversity and complexity of the nation's food systems and supply chain, the ongoing impacts associated with climate change, and rapid advances in science underlying many of the foods that we eat today. But, he added, redesigning a more effective human foods program is a top priority for the agency. And by the end of January, he said FDA will offer a new vision for the program, and by the end of February, will outline the program's leadership structure and any changes to key internal processes and procedures. His commitment to speed underscores the gravity of the report's findings and the urgency of addressing its shortcomings, which critics say have contributed to food shortages and recalls due to safety concerns. But it also leaves unanswered for now what a redesigned human foods program might look like, what it will prioritize, and how potential changes might impact the food and beverage industry. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, former FDA regulatory counsel Jonathan Havens, who is now the co-chair of Solulic's Cannabis Law and Food Beverage Agriculture Practices, takes a deep dive into the Reagan Udall's report's recommendations to tease out potential answers, including how the human food program could be restructured, possible changes to enforcement and nutrition policy development, and how a shakeup could impact industry. He also shares what the next few months may hold and what stakeholders can do now to help shape the future that they want. Among the sweeping recommendations by the Reagan Udall Foundation to elevate the visibility of food within FDA is to separate its oversight from that of the drug industry, or at the very least, appoint a single clearly identified leader with direct lines of authority over safety and applied nutrition program components. While this idea was lauded by many industry players, Havens explains this is not the first time such a shift has been suggested, and it may not be the last time given the difficulty of dividing the agency and the many stakeholders that would need to be involved as well as the hurdles to overcome. But that doesn't mean that the agency will remain as is. This is not the first time that there's been a proposal advanced to separate the food regulatory function from FDA um, completely out of the agency, right? We've heard this Federal Foods Administration concept before. It has, of course, not uh, advanced the point where that function has actually been moved out of the FDA. There are a lot of reasons that we could talk about about why that is and why foods uh, have not received the attention, food, you know, food and beverage products have not received the attention that the other products that FDA regulates has, you know, medical products, for example. Um, but, you know, f- food is, people, people think they understand the food industry because you go to the grocery store and you 
purchase food and we all eat food and we all, we all drink beverages, you know, water or something else. And so people assume they understand how the industry works. But um, it's become an increasingly complicated space um, for reasons including, you know, the globalization of the supply chain, ingredients and products coming from uh, all, you know, more places than they did before. And I think the, F, the way that FDA looks at food regulation has stayed pretty similar. Um, there have been changes because of legislation that Congress has passed and presidents have signed into law, but the way that FDA regulates food has not changed all that much. Um, and whether it's funding or whether it's staffing levels, both of which have been largely flat for a long time in the food space, um, I think this has been this issue has been coming to a head, and finally, you know, we hear from Commissioner Califf, who commissioned the report, uh, this Reagan Udall Foundation report, in July of this year, and said, "Look, you know, enough is enough. This is something that I uh, and the president are committed to, and so let's actually take a look at this." Uh, I take the commissioner at his word when he says that the agency is committed to taking this report and taking this new vision for the, you know, the, humans, the human foods program at FDA and doing something about it. And he's laid out some pretty specific response times um, you know, in January and February of next year for, for two separate things. And so it does seem like this finally might have some legs. Potentially reorganizing the human food program won't be an easy task given how various components of the program currently are spread across four parts of the FDA including the Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition, the Office of Food Policy, the Center for Veterinary Medicine, and portions of the Office of Regulatory Affairs. Of these, CIFSANS and ORA's missions are most closely aligned, which Haven says may sound good in theory, until you realize the duplications are inefficient and the approaches each group takes to the same challenge may differ in ways that are counterproductive. When we talk about how food is currently regulated at FDA, it's regulated in four different ways. Um, but I would focus on OFPR and CIFSAN to say there's two groups within FDA that are doing not completely similar things, but there's a lot of overlap. And so when we hear about massive food recalls or food safety issues or major supply chain issues and shortages like we heard about particularly in the last several months, <clears throat> excuse me, with infant formula, um, you need coordinated, quick, decisive action. And the way that FDA is currently structured is it's very consensus-driven. There's not a dedicated leader to human foods. And so when something, quote, bad happens or undesirable happens, you know, I think you have uh, well-intentioned regulators and policymakers scrambling to figure out, okay, who's leading this? What are we doing about it? Are we making this as user-friendly for industry and consumers as possible? And I think the report pointed out, unfortunately, that there's this state of, quote, constant turmoil, and that's a term that the report uses. Um, you know, I, I don't want to disparage you know, my, my, former, uh, my former colleagues at the agency, and I'll say, look, I think there's a lot of really smart and well-intentioned people, and it's not, it's not their fault, right? When you're in a chain of command, you're reporting to who you are supposed to report to. And it's difficult, if not um, 
frowned upon to go outside that chain of command. But this you know, absence of a unifying mission and definition of the Human Foods Program has led to, among other things, as the report suggests, fragmented staff, overlapping roles, which I talked about, especially when you're considering SIFSANS and OFPR's missions, competing priorities, and lack of communication. And all of this, the Reagan-Udall Foundation uh, concluded, leads to this perception of constant turmoil. So, yeah, I mean, human foods is touched by a number of different segments at FDA, and unfortunately, there can be competing priorities, which leads to these inefficiencies and lack of communication and slow responses. With this in mind, the Reagan-Udall report suggests four potential ways to restructure the human foods program, some of which Haven says would be easier and take less time to execute than others. So option A is a separate food administration. So this would be within the Department of Health and Human Services, within HHS, where FDA sits now, by the way, right? FDA is not a cabinet-level agency. They're an agency within HHS, which is a cabinet-level agency. Um, It would create a separate center for nutrition. Uh, It would integrate the foods portion of ORA, the the inspection arm, with foods program centers. It would not, unlike some of the other options that I'm going to talk about, um, the authority for change resides largely within FDA HHS. This is something that Congress would need to intervene. Uh, it does create a separate human foods program budget. And of all of the options that the foundation evaluated, this is the one to require the most amount of time. One of the reasons this separation of the foods uh, regulatory function has, has not occurred previously is I think the amount of time and coordination and expense it would take. Option B is separate medical, separate uh, medical products and foods within FDA. What it means is having dedicated foods staff, um, you know, have their own function like these others, like these other centers do. Right now, we have the Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition reporting, you know, to the commissioner, but we also have the Office of Food Policy Response. Food policy and response, excuse me, reporting to the commissioner. I think it's having a separate food function within FDA is what we're talking about here. Um, so this, like like we were talking about with option A, it it uh, elevates human foods within FDA, creates a separate center for nutrition, it integrates the foods portion of ORA with the food program centers. Um, the authority, unlike option A of the separate food administration. The authority lies within FDA. This is something they could do on their own. Um, they don't need they don't need Congress for, and it wouldn't take as much time. Uh, it would take seventy five percent of the amount of time as separating food administration within FDA within HHS. Excuse me, out of FDA. Um, then there's another option, which is establishing SIPSAN as the overall lead for the foods program. So. Let me explain this a bit. As we've talked about, SIFSAN and OFPR are somewhat competing. There's not, it's not clear who's leading the human foods program mission at FDA. So it would say, okay, SIFSAN, you win. You're going to be the overall lead for the, for the program. Okay, so um, this, this, still, this still elevates foods within FDA. 
It does, it would, this proposal also creates that Center for Nutrition that we keep talking about. It integrates food portions of ORA with the food program centers. It would take you know, a little less time than the, other, than the other proposals. The last one is uh, a deputy commissioner for foods. So um, you know, right now we have CIFSAN and OFPR, but there's not a deputy commissioner specifically tasked with foods. This would certainly help lead the charge and have you know, kind of one direct, directing point. Uh, this, of all of the other things that we talked about, it checks all of those boxes except creating a separate human foods program budget. And this takes you know, about 50%, not the most timely, not the least timely. So what is the best option? The general consensus among industry stakeholders so far seems to be creating a deputy commissioner for foods, which can be done without an act of Congress and with minimum upfront disruption to industry. It also doesn't preclude later acting on one of the other options, about which Havens admits he's a tad skeptical. Maybe I'm uh, skeptical, but um, you know, I, I tend to vote on incremental change when it comes to FDA and Washington than on massive sweeping change. So I think a separate food administration, to me, seems not all that likely. And by the way, I'm not sure it's totally necessary. Uh, it would be interesting. It would certainly give me and you and uh, stakeholders a lot to talk about, but I'm not sure it's totally, um, it's totally necessary because what we're looking to do here is increase coordination uh, to increase um, visibility of a leading voice in the food regulatory space. And I don't know that you need to do that. Um, as you know, for, for its misgivings, and although uh, I'm very proud that I started my legal career at FDA, I will be fair and say there are misgivings about the FDA model. Um, there's a lot of institutional knowledge at FDA about food regulation, and there's a lot of dedicated uh, regulators and policymakers. And so not to say that those folks wouldn't be transferred to another agency within HHS, but I don't know that you need to do that, right? Because in order to do that, Congress, um, Congress gets involved and you have people moving to a different agency and you're creating new policy, new regulation. And having created new regulation when I was at FDA in the tobacco space, I can tell you it was a pretty complicated uh, task. And I, I don't think we're just going to be plugging and playing here. And so I do think and by the way, these other options might have regulatory developments as well. I certainly would expect them to. I don't think it would be a sweeping. And so to me, I might eat my words here, but I think separating out the food function from FDA altogether seems least likely, both least likely and not totally or not necessary at all. Um, I think establishing an overall lead for the foods program, whether that's FIFSAN or something else, I have a hard time imagining what that is if it's not FIFSAN, but we, we clearly need an overall lead, right? We need to know who's leading, who's following. Um, I think, so. I, and, I, and of the time evaluation, that doesn't take the most time here. It's 50% shaded in, so I think it's something that's not gonna be you know, terrible and not the heaviest lift. The other is a deputy commissioner for foods. I think I think that would be 
I think that would go a long way. I think it would help with leadership and vision and management. So I think those two stand out to me as attractive targets. Something that FDA needs to think about here is fixing the problems that we've talked about, but not doing it in a way that's going to uh, disrupt the agency's continuing work and not disrupt industry's expectations. If disruption needs to happen, I don't think anybody's shy about doing that. I, I, well, I should say, I don't think the FDA will shy away from disrupting when disruption needs to occur. But it's important to understand, and I'll admit, I, I represent industry, so I'm particularly focused on disruption to um, existing suppliers and operators. But if you disrupt industry in a way that is not necessary and doesn't accomplish um, a broader goal, I think it just leads to a, a lack of understanding and patience um, between stakeholders and the agency. It's just not necessary. So I do think that Commissioner Califf and the team that FDA is building out to address the Reagan Udall Foundation's report is going to think about, okay, what do we need to do? What improvements do we need to make? And how can we do it in a way that's going to be as seamless as possible both for us and for industry. Um, accomplishing important things is priority number one. Accomplishing what needs to be accomplished is important, but we can't do it at the cost of completely upending everything because if you do that, it could, it cr it could increase um, challenge, supply chain challenges. It could you know, frustrate industry. And so I think that it, there's going to need to be a balancing of priorities here. In addition to streamlining and coordinating oversight of human food, the Reagan-Udall report also suggests creating a center for nutrition that would elevate the importance of nutrition, which currently plays second fiddle to safety more often than not. Such a move would potentially enhance the government's ability to encourage Americans to adopt healthier diets. But as Havens notes, this would require carefully balancing rights and priorities. That one of the recommendations around structure is elevating the importance of nutrition within the human foods program. Um, and it would, there's actually a, a line item proposal to create a new center for nutrition to elevate the importance of nutrition. So it's not just, okay, dip sand, keep doing what you're doing and focus on nutrition. It's, okay, you know how we have a center for food safety and applied nutrition? Well, there's going to be a center for food safety and a center for nutrition, or that's kind of the, the, um, uh, the implication here. So, um, yeah, I I was I was I guess pleasantly surprised that uh, the foundation focused as much on nutrition as it did. Um, the the word the word nutrition I believe appears close to seventy times in the report, and they 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 spent major ink on on addressing that. And look, I, I think a lot of this was um, you know a credit to the FDA. Commissioner Califf, who called on this report and guided the foundation and what it wanted the foundation to look at. But, you know, this, this is a tough one, right, because consumer cho we, we are very big in this country on consumer choice, right? And there's this tension between we should allow consumers to eat and drink what they want, but, you know, that's all well and good until people, you know, eat and drink too, too many of the bad things and not enough of the good things, and then they you know, might cost the country money from a healthcare perspective, right? If you assume people 
you know, are, are on um, uh, government-assisted health care, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. And so there has certainly been an increased focus on nutrition over the past several years, focusing on, you know, things like trans fats and the trans fat ban and updated nutrition labels and menu labeling at chain restaurants, you know, certain size chain restaurants. And it's, I think, a, an attempted balance of arming consumers with the information that government would want them to have to prevent long-term illness from, um, you know, e eating and, and drinking too many of the, the, quote, wrong things with, okay, we cannot mandate that people eat healthy if they don't want to, right? Like, that's not, not the kind of country we're in. And so I, I think I will be curious to see if and when FDA creates a new Center for Nutrition, what the policies that come out of that center are. Now, look, if you think about the nutrition policies that FDA has, has advanced, a lot of those come from Congress. So this is not you know, the FDA going rogue and just creating a bunch of things, although um, sometimes they have done that and industry has cha appropriately challenged them on that. But I think it will be interesting to see how FDA advances the nutrition narrative, that dialogue, and see what they actually do about it because there's this constant tension of we want to arm consumers with information, but we also cannot mandate that people do things that they don't want to do. Uh, but how do we balance that so that, you know, when taxpayers are paying for, um, you know, government-involved uh, health care programs that those programs aren't being overburdened because of, um, you know, poor nutrition choices as much as possible. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a loaded concept, but I guess my response would be, you know, wait and see and let's see what they do. But it could certainly mean that industry is having to do things differently, using different ingredients, labeling things in a certain way. And we've seen this, right, over the years with, a big concept from the revised nutrition labeling program a couple of years ago was how many servings people are actually eating. Are they eating multiple servings in one sitting? How are products designed? Giving consumers information so that they don't have to do mental math to say, okay, how many calories am I actually consuming, right? And where are those calories coming from? And is there added sugar? So I think it's things like that. So industry will certainly have to um, or I expect FDA will call on industry to, to step up and do certain things differently, but the, the hope would be that there's enough time for industry to do that, that it's not overburdensome from a financial perspective because creating new labels, creating new formulations, um, replacing ingredients, which not as easy to do these days for supply chain and other reasons, um, but having there be a proposal uh, advance so that consumers are, are getting the information they need, and industry is able to do the things that it does without being burdened to the point of not being able to continue to produce the food that consumers want. It's just doing that in maybe a little bit of a different way, using maybe slightly different ingredients or maybe tweaking the label slightly so that uh, consumers know what, what it is they're consuming. So, I mean, more, more, more to, more to uh, read and hear about on on the nutrition front, but it's definitely going to be, as with everything else, a balancing of priorities.
depending on if or how FDA realigns its human food program, industry could see changes in how the agency approaches enforcement. But as Havens notes, this isn't necessarily bad. In fact, some of the suggestions in the Reagan-Udall report could simplify the inspection process and maybe even result in fewer site visits. So one of the things that is talked about specifically in here is you know, records requests and information and leveraging technology and kind of remote inspections to uh, get FDA, particularly inspectors, ORA inspectors, the information they need, even if they can't be on site. FDA inspections have changed quite a bit, or I would say have been challenged quite a bit because of COVID. Um, And so one of the things that we're hearing about in this report is access to records uh, digitally slash more immediately than accessing records on site. So I think one of the things that um, the report talks about is that FDA should seek authority to request records from food manufacturers in advance of or in lieu of an inspection with a reasonable time frame, with reasonable limits, and in a reasonable manner. And this can be either in electronic or physical, physical form. So the idea here is maybe they don't need to do as many in-person inspections, or maybe the in-person inspections will be more efficient because records have been shared ahead of time. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, right? The, the model, the rule is you go to the facility, you inspect records. You know, it's kind of like a, okay, inspector shows up. Where are your records? Here they are. You show them. It's not really efficient. Um, but if records can be shared ahead of time, it would help the company prepare, it would help FDA prepare, and maybe it would obviate the need for an inspector to even be on site if they're not kind of inspecting physical uh, machinery, equipment, those sorts of things, if, if records are what they're after. So, you know, this is something that I, I hope is a positive development that will be welcomed by both FDA and industry. The, the, <clears throat> the caveat is, you know, notice the very careful language in the report. With, with a reasonable time frame, within reasonable limits, and in a reasonable manner. So when records are easily accessible, say they're electronic, or they can be sent ahead of time, what's to stop FDA from requesting more than they would on site or being able to access more than they would be in a certain period of time in a certain area of of a facility? So it's all, the devil is in the details, but hopefully if there's parameters around this that are agreed upon, it, it would be a welcome development. With the potential for so much change on the table, Havens encourages industry to take an active role in helping to reshape FDA's human food program by reaching out directly or working with trade groups to work with the agency and, if necessary, Congress to ensure their preferences and needs are considered. You could wait to see what FDA announces at the end of January and February. Personally, I'm not... I'm not one to sit on the sidelines or suggest that our clients sit on the sidelines. I certainly think there's conversations that stakeholders can be having either individually or through trade associations that they belong to. And we've already seen several leading food trade associations respond to the report and respond to FDA's response to the report. I think they've all been encouraging in terms of this is good, let's see where we go with this, but 
I, I don't think it's too early to have conversations with FDA. I, I don't think it's a bad idea for, for stakeholders to collaborate with their you know, fellow industry members, whether that's through um, trade associations they already belong to or one-on-one um, -on -one conversations uh, with, with other stakeholders and seeing what makes sense in terms of approaching FDA. And then, of course, there's this discussing with Congress. If industry thinks that having a separate food agency within HHS is a terrible idea, maybe they go to members of Congress and say, look, this is something you're going to need to deal with if it moves forward, and we think it's a bad idea for all the following reasons. You know, that's it's a little bit pre-ripe, you know, pre not, you know, not quite ripe, but it's something if they really uh, feel passionate, passionately about I think it's, it could be worth going to Congress or any of the other things here that we've talked about that will require congressional intervention uh, because you know, I think the food industry has, has been well represented in Congress through the you know, very uh, solid trade associations, including the ones that ha have responded to this report. And so uh, I and – and by the way, that's important. I, you know, some people think that industry engaging with Congress and exerting influence is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because industry knows these issues. It's their day-to-day. And they need to inform, perhaps uninformed policymakers in D.C. what they're dealing with, so that the policies, the, you know, the, the laws, and the regulations that are coming out of them can actually reflect the realities of industry. So, uh, I, I don't think it's too early for industry to start talking about this with Congress. A good starting point for taking action is to read the Reagan Udall report, which can be found at reaganudall.org. And of course, Food Navigator USA will keep you posted about developments, including updates from FDA in the coming months. With that, though, we have reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me for another installment in the new year. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a merry holiday season. 